0: Thank you for tuning in to the Chapel Valley Church Podcast. Today we wanted to share a special teaching from Pastor Susie Jenin. We hope this message encourages you and builds a deeper level of faith in you. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this
1: message.
2: All right, well, good morning, good morning. All right, well, as as we're getting started, uh, I have a few announcements for us. Um, we want to say thank you. When, when, when Jay got up here and he said, um, this morning, did anyone wake up? What I thought he was going to say was, who woke up sore this morning, was where I thought he was going with that statement, Um, because yesterday was our church work day, and um, we just want to say thank you for everyone who's able to come and help out. Um, I know that even I was, my knees were a little sore as I was trying to, like, walk up the stairs, and I'm thinking, what is happening? Like, I, you know, um, but we got a lot accomplished yesterday, um, and there's still yet a lot to be done. Which is, I guess, maybe the point of being a homeowner, right? Is like the just endless projects of what needs to be done. So, um, but we just want to say thank you for who uh, everyone who came, and um, we just we appreciate your hard work. And, um, did you guys also see that the stairs are being worked on? Uh, that came out of nowhere. Um, we, I think we officially signed our, our, um, agreement on Sunday. And I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, they called and said, Hey, we can come tomorrow to start your stairs. So, uh, we are thankful that tomorrow is here and that the stairs are being fixed. So, uh, lots of great things that are happening. Um, I know I, I, I think I posted on Instagram like, Oh, you can come and still help prepare for winter. And one of my friends in California was like, prepare for winter. Like, you know, the idea that things can only be done for a time period just blows their mind. So anyways, uh, we just want to again say thank you. Um, at this time, if we, or if you haven't already, just want to remind you, there's a few ways uh, to both fill out your info card and give. Um, there are the QR codes that are at the um, edge of your pews. Um, if you scan that, you can fill out our welcome card and you can give there. And then also, you can also give or do welcome card in the back. So uh, those are options for you. You know, we are actually coming into a very busy time for Chapel Valley Church. November and December seems to be our like height of endless things to participate and partner with. Um, and so we just want to talk about a few things um is our church tailgate party is next sunday and so we've never done a tailgate party before Um, and so we're encouraging everyone to wear their jersey of their team of choice um, and come celebrate your team and it could be any jersey it could be a football jersey it can be a What other sports? Are there baseball? There are a whole bunch of other sports other than football. I know this. Um, And so just wear your favorite jersey. um, And there will be a football game that's on. Um, One of the things that we did was we actually painted the fellowship hall. Well, we did not. Jerry and Michelle. Everyone say hey to Jerry and Michelle. There they are. Uh, They and, and Carolyn and a few others plowed through and got that fellowship hall painted. And so it will be a great color to watch the football team, team, or the football game. We're going to have it projected. Um, we're asking you to just bring something to pass. And again, it'll be indoors and it's just going to be a great time. And we're just looking to get together and eat and have fun. And so, uh, make sure that you are there. Um, I know that we have Christmas in the park that's coming up, um, at the beginning of December. Um, we'll have full in focus that's coming up it for Thanksgiving. So there's a lot of things um and ways that you can partner with us. And so we um are so excited. So we're kicking it off with our church tailgate party. All right. Well we have been in Matthew chapter uh, six, verse thirty three, and you know, um we've this the verse that we have been walking through has been, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, I just realized as I've been even studying just the phrase seek first the kingdom of God, or the idea of the kingdom of God, we could probably just in that, those words alone, be months at studying the kingdom of God. Like if we're going at the rate of on Sunday mornings, right? Like if we're only studying the kingdom of God on a Sunday morning, uh, we could be here for months just studying that phrase. What does it mean? What does the kingdom of God look like? Um, but it because it, it's never-ending, and part of the idea of it being never-ending is we will eventually be— in heaven, and just think about the idea of eternity, it's never-ending, and so we could be months spending uh, working or working through and com- contemplating and reading about the kingdom of God, um, and we really do feel like that verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, is a prophetic word for this time for our church, that there is something that's there that the Lord is calling us to in an opportunity. A few weeks ago, I spoke on how people work to identify counterfeits, right? They talk about counterfeits um, and the way that the bank system helps tellers and people who are handling money how to identify a counterfeit is actually by them continuing to handle real money, They actually focus less on the counterfeit aspect, but they believe that if they can teach their tellers how to identify real money, how to touch, how it feels, the texture, um, the watermarks, all the intricacies of money, that the moment that a teller touches a counterfeit, they know they realize that it's a counterfeit because they're so well versed in the real thing. And what I was talking about a few weeks ago was that I think the church has focused a little bit too much on the counterfeit. And we veered off from teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. And so now we hear in, in around us one of the biggest things that people struggle with is I don't know that God is speaking to me. They could read the word, I don't know what God is saying. Because I think for so long we've got our attention to all the varying counterfeits that are around us in the different kingdoms. And we've lost touch of understanding the real thing. And so I just, as we're going, I want to continue to encourage us. I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God specifically today. Um, But I would encourage you to take time and not let Sundays be the only day that you are um, studying these things. Because this is nearly not enough. When you look at the time that Jesus spent with his disciples It wasn't once a week. He was with them. He was living with them. He had hours upon hours so they could understand the intricacy of who he was, the way, the way, um, the relationship, all of those things. And so we cannot nearly get into the depths of the kingdom on one day. And so I want to encourage you, if there's things or notes or whatever you have, take them spend time ask the lord because if we could spend endless time on just the phrase of the kingdom of god how much more does he have for us it's great news it really is it's not there's no condemnation in that it's just there's so much available for us and the lord is calling us to that so let's pray Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the words that you've already spoken to us. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive the word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would um, be our teacher as we navigate through Scripture. And we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were here with us last week, I think somewhere in the beginning, Pastor Jay shared a little bit about this Escalade that I rented when we were in Denver. So now here's my, a picture with me with the Escalade because I was so excited about it. See, that's me with the Escalade. Um, we got like airplane mode, like was off. We landed in Denver and I began to check in on Avis because I use Avis for my car rental. So I'm checking in and as I'm checking in, it's like upgrade, complimentary upgrade available. And I'm scrolling and it's like minivan, minivan. And I'm like, I drive a minivan. That is not an upgrade for me. And then right at the bottom, there was this beautiful Escalade. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting the Escalade because it was the same. It was a complimentary upgrade. Um, I had, when I usually do my car rentals, I'm like mystery car. I don't, I don't really care often. um, Compact car is never going to work for us because Jay's pretty tall. So I was just like mystery car. Let's see. And then I got this upgrade to an Escalade. Now here's the deal. When I looked at Jay, he was like, what are you thinking getting an Escalade? An Escalade is not a mountain car. We were in the mountains. We were in Denver. This was not a smart choice. Um, When you think about gas, when you there there was no reason other than me being ridiculous about getting an Escalade. Let's just be real. But as I hit it, I just thought, Susie, it's time to to quit playing small. It's time to—and there was something in me. I know this sounds so ridiculous, people, but you have to understand the Lord is always talking and working with us. Like anywhere through anything, if if you realize that he is really walking with you and you believe that he is in you and with you, then you begin to hear his voice in things that maybe you utterly—you might— you might miss otherwise. And so as simple as it was, as I was scrolling and decided to get this escalate. the minute that I chose it, I just felt something deep in my spirit that was like, quit playing small Susie. Now, the reality is when I got in this Escalade, the first thing that I did was I found like the most, like one of my like favorite songs that's like from high school. And I like, has just like a good mix of like bass and all this stuff. And I like rolled down the windows. I couldn't even, I didn't even figure out how to open the trunk, which was the necessary thing to learn. I didn't know, but I did know how to open the sunroof. I rolled down the windows. It was beautiful. It was like a perfect day in Denver. And I was just, I got lost at the airport probably because I was like half distracted there's a few reasons why I got lost, but that's not the, that's not the point, because I kept going in circles for, like, 30 minutes um, being lost. And um, it was both the GPS and Susie and where Jay was all, all combined. Um, and I only almost cried once. But the reason I didn't cry was because I was in this escalade. So even though I was lost for 30 minutes and we were hungry, I was in this escalade with the windows down and, like, my favorite songs playing. And I just had this deep sense in me. It was a moment where I just felt it quit playing small. I think oftentimes we reduce ourselves and our situations and even more so God because it's easier to play small. You know, the Escalade, like I said, was not a sensible choice, but when we think about the kingdom of God, there is nothing sensible about the kingdom of God. And I believe that we can, as I was saying, we can endlessly talk about this, but we have begun to play small with the kingdom of God. And I believe he's telling us, it's time for us to play big. It's time to play big. What does that mean? That means that the kingdom of God, there's going to be moments and things where we find ourselves that we can just do what we always know to do. I had a complimentary upgrade. I know what a minivan is. That's easy in and out for Jay. I can press the button. I, I, I know what a minivan is. But there was this moment with this car that I just thought, I'm going for it. You know, a kingdom reflects its king. Just think about that. A kingdom will always reflect its king. And we serve the king of kings and the lord of lords. Right? Now, that's that, that idea and that phrase means that there's other kings and there's other lords. So who and what does it mean to serve, the, to be about the kingdom of God? We serve the King of kings and the Lord of Lord. And I believe that we've made the kingdom of God small. We've tried to make it in a way that makes sense to people. We try, and, and all with good intention, we've made it in a, a way that it fits so pretty in this box that we can just say, this is what we're calling you to. And I believe if we are serving the king of kings and the Lord of lords, it's time to stop playing small. See, number one, our king is a merciful king. Just think about this. Our king is a merciful king. I think we struggle with the idea of a merciful God because we've not got to understand the totality of who he is as a king. See, when we think of sometimes of mercy, we can think of where it makes sense in our mind that our God is merciful. He's merciful to the things that make sense in our mind, but that's not the totality of who he is as a king. There was nothing about God sending and having His plan to have Jesus come. There's nothing small about that. And none of that makes any sense. Why would Jesus leave the heavens? It says, why would he leave any of those things to come and be fully human? To come and deal with humanity? You know, I was talking to someone and they were, I was asking them how their job was and they switched jobs and, and they said to me, well, it'd be really good if I didn't have to deal with the people, <laughs> they were like, this job is a great job. But if I didn't have to deal with the people, it'd be even better. They're not in ministry. They're, they're, it's, it's not like anything like that. And I just thought, yeah, because people are messy. We're complicated. we are We have our own nuances. And so sometimes I think we struggle with it because when we look with our own eyes and our own understanding, serving a God who's merciful, there's a limit to our own mercy. Does does anyone have any limit to your own mercy? Is that, or is that just me? I, have, I, I will admit and say I have a limit to my mercy, to my patience, to my grace, to my love, to my joy. I am a limited person, and that's kind of the point. The point is that we serve a God who is beyond limits, who is limitless, who says, I'm in exchange for your weaknesses, I'm going to give you my strength because my strength and who I am is everlasting. It's without an end. And we have come to a place where it just is nice and comfortable for God to fit in this box. But we have a God who is filled with mercy. John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. John chapter 12, verse 42. And we're, we're talking, and, and in here we see something about Jesus that was profound in explaining his mercy. It says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they need not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and he said, believe in me. He who believes in me um, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into this world that whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, I think we will be shocked when we get to heaven to see who's in heaven. Because we have a God who says, whoever believes in me, I lost where I was, whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And whoever hears my words and does not believe, here's the part of mercy I do not judge him. Here is Jesus here on earth, and he's saying, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He has come. When Jesus was here, he came. But here's where it seems a little bit complicated, because then Jesus goes on to say, He who rejects me and does not receive my words that I have that." Who does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but God, but the Father who has sent me gave me a commandment what I should say and should what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His commandments is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as him, he just as the Father has told me, so I speak. It almost seems like Jesus is contradicting himself here a little bit. He says, I have not come to judge, but the word that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. Just think about that. We serve a merciful God who's in the presence of people and their complexities of life. And he says, look, I have not come to judge who you are and where you are, but he came to speak truth right? When we see Jesus, when he was proclaiming the gospel and the good news, he continued to speak truth. And he said, and your you person is dependent and you will be judged on that which you heard. But Jesus did not come to judge, but to proclaim truth. And he allowed the truth in what she spoke on the authority of his father to be the very thing that would be the last impression in the person's heart. He would sow the word, and those who responded and had ears to hear, they heard and they responded and received. And then there was those who ignored it, and he said, I'm not even worried about that, because the word in which I spoke, you will be judged in the last day. Therefore, I don't need a judge. We serve a merciful God who was more, more um, he, he, what he did was more important that people would hear the truth rather than correcting their behavior. We serve a merciful God, our King, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Lord is merciful beyond explanation. He's merciful, not because we deserve it. He's merciful because of who he is. See, Jesus lived with the tension of being merciful, yet watching people reject the truth. And then he lived in this tension of the kingdom of now and the kingdom of not yet. This is what Jesus walked in every day. He walked and lived in this tension of being fully God and fully man. And he never let one overtake the other. He never let the one of his, of his, of his humanness, of his man, like the man part of him ever consume who he was. He didn't let the, the idea or the fact that he was fully God overtake any situation and yet he was merciful and walked out in mercy with every person that was set before him. He never compromised on the truth, he never compromised on who he was, and he never compromised on the mercy and grace he extended to people. And the problem is we're living in a tension, and it's a little bit different than that. Uh, We're not fully God. Can we just talk about that for just a moment? We are fully human who are people who are being redeemed, who have been redeemed, who have been restored into relationship. And yet we have the tension of every day that we're living in an unredeemed world. Just think about that. We we walk with this idea, and I, I had this revelation recently. I was in a situation. And I just thought, why would I expect anything different? They don't know Jesus. Why would I? And it wasn't even a place of criticism. It was a place to just let them off the hook and say, but I can bring Jesus to this situation. I don't need them to to be conformed by this. You know, I don't need them to change their behavior. I need to realize, I need to release that and walk in the tension of God's mercy and grace in a situation. And because we do have scripture, because we we have been people here who are getting uh, the revelation of truth that's happening, sometimes it can put us on this place of judgment. Rather than understanding the mercy we should operate in. The truth of God isn't to put us up in a platform higher. It's actually so we can come down and be with people and we have a security that no matter where we find ourselves, the truth and the word of God is our anchor and it's our hope. Therefore, if I'm anchored in hope, I'm anchored into something, then when I get down low with people, when I begin to get myself in the dark place, guess what? I'm anchored to. I don't need them, them to be anchored. My job is to come and bring the Word of God and bring the mercy of God to people. The Kingdom of God I realize is, is more about a but and rather than an either or. The Kingdom of God is a, about a but and. I've come and I'm gonna speak truth and what you hear You'll also be judged upon then. See, he's saying I, I, there's, a, there's a both and. I think we have come because it's easier, right? If we just know what the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do and the, the correct answer, isn't that just easier? Who likes to live in the tension between anything, you know, I, I I think I'm growing in a greater appreciation of attention as I walk through things with my dad. I realize I can I can be both joyful and mourning. I can do both. There was this um, on Park Street on one of the rest on one of the restaurants that says "Hold on to hope," and I remember this one day I would always I'd take my dad to his appointment, so I would go up and down Park Street, up and down Park Street, and I always thought I want like I just want a picture by myself there. And so one day I went to drop him off as, at his appointment, and I'm like, oh, like it's kind of cold, but I'm gonna go, and I ran over there because the idea that we can hold on to hope. And still live in a time that is treacherous is is a tension that we have to live in between. Most people do not get this easy-free, scot-free, no issue life. No, we need to learn how to hold on to hope and have faith while walking out the practicalities of the tensions of real life. So the kingdom of God, I believe, is a both is a but and or a both. There is not there there not in the truth. Hear me, I'm not saying that the truth of God is like, oh, like there's there are no negotiables to the truth. This is the truth. But how we live it out is there is a tension. Number two, God, in his mercy, Jesus always called people to his Father. In his mercy, he always called people to his Father. But he also addressed the issues at hand. We go back to that tension. Turn with me to John chapter 8. Just a few chapters back. This might be a familiar story to you, but Jesus went on the Mount of Olives, and now early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law command us that she should be stoned, but what do you say? Here's what I'm talking about. Here are people who knew scripture, who knew the commands, who knew everything. And in a moment, instead of extending mercy, I always think about this of, I, I like to, not like, but I, I try to picture what must have that been like. The humiliation. That she was caught, like if you think about it, it says she was caught in the very act. When you're caught in the very act of adultery, there is nothing more vulnerable than that. You're not, you can use your imagination to whatever end. It is not someone who is covered. It is not someone who is prepared. And here they do. Here they come. And what do they use? They use the word. And they're saying, but hey, look. Here's this woman. What, what do you see? What, what do you say? The law says this. Man, how many times has that been me? Where I've gotten the word of God and I've put me on a pedestal over someone instead of, instead of extending mercy to them. We have a lost generation of people. Of people. We have people who are searching for truth. I, I, we're, we, I'm still navigating. Not. I'm not navigating truth. I am navigating. What does God's word say? But we have people who are looking, who are looking for healing, who are looking for hope, who are looking for answers. And sometimes I think we get on the pedestal and say, well, God's word says this. And, and our hearts can be so conflicted because we see them in the very act that is the sin. And we maybe want to address the act of the sin, but listen to what Jesus does instead. They said this, testing him. Man, how many times have I, Yeah, okay. They said this testing him, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone at her. And he stooped down again and wrote on the ground, and those who heard it, being convicted to their conscience, to their conscience um, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest. Think about that. Because I think when we're, we get a little bit older, we learn a thing or two. Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus himself raised her up and he ra- raised himself and saw no one but the woman with her, he said to her, woman, where are those who are of your, your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sit no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life we see here that the kingdom of God is filled with mercy. The kingdom of God is filled with mercy that calls us back to Jesus, that leads us back to the Father that says, in me there will be no darkness. There is only light. There is only life. And what I love about this picture is we see Jesus getting dirty just a little bit. It says he he leans down with her. He doesn't try to stay face. He doesn't, you know, like box up or like, you know, like those people who like, they'll get up and they'll see their people. You'll see someone like confidently walk and like, I'm ready to take you on. No, he takes this place of humility and he leans down. He gets before her. He gets dirty on her behalf and yet no one is left. Because we serve a God whose kingdom is filled with mercy. The kingdom of God is filled with mercy. And we cannot be threatened. We don't need to be threatened by where people are. We can call them to the mercy of God and allow them to be convicted of their sin and then walk them through it. Because Jesus then says, when people are with me, they will not walk in darkness. They will walk exposed in light. Light exposes. And he's saying, when they are with me, my kingdom is about mercy and being exposed in a very different way. Because here's the thing. She just was literally exposed. She was pulled out of her sin. And then Jesus is saying, my exposure is different than what you just encountered. My exposure is different than what the world says it's like. With me, there will be no darkness. There will only be life. The kingdom of God is filled with mercy. And then lastly, the kingdom of God is about others and of action. The kingdom of God is about others and action. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. It, wait, And without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in the darkness... And in the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. From the beginning of time, the kingdom of God hasn't been about action and other people. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. But in him was life, and the life that was the light of men. The kingdom of God is about other people. You know, um, I just was thinking, what if we were a place here where people came when they were sick? You know, obviously we just came off a very heightened um, sensitivity to situations. And then this is neither a criticism or a, a complaint, but I just was thinking, what would it take, Lord, for our faith to grow? To be a place where people would come here because they knew that they could encounter Jesus in the life and light of men. It's about other people. That, that, that is a very, um, when you, when I think about the complexities of that, there's a lot of myself I have to put aside. (laughs) There's a lot of myself that I have to put aside when I think about, we were reading scripture this week at our home group and it was saying that they were together daily and that they all had what they need and I found myself and we were talking in our group and just thought, okay, if it says they gather daily, what is the implication there? What does that look like? Cause that's going to cost me something to gather daily, but it's in scripture when it talks about them not having, that they all were without need and that they were selling their possessions for each other, that's the, that was the kingdom of God in action. That's going to cost me something. And so we have to remember the kingdom of God was never about us. In fact, when we see Jesus' question, he says, "Like what good is someone if they're well? They're in need of a physician. Like That's the people I ought to be going to. And, the, and that is the call and the commission for each one of us is that we would be people who would bring the kingdom of God, that would bring the light and the life of Christ to our situations, not just on a Sunday morning. Because all of a sudden I was thinking, what's, what's the point of a Sunday? Like if we're not doing it Monday through Saturday, what does that begin to look like? And not that it's a criticism. I just don't want to leave this life Doing the same thing because that's just what I know. I want to all of a sudden see, oh, there's an opportunity for an upgrade here. And I'm going to tell you, in my own experience, most spiritual upgrades are not as easy as the Escalade. Most of my spiritual upgrades come with a lot of pain, a lot of dying. Let me tell you, this Escalade, if it was cold in the car... My seats were on, on the heated. If it was, if it was hot in the car, cause we went up to like the red rocks, my seats were on like cool. So I would start the car and it would be like, oh, it's hot in here. Let me put the heat on, or let me put the co- uh, co- cooling seats for you. Oh, it's, it's, it's cold in here. Let me put the hot seats for you. Like, like this car did everything for me. Most of my spiritual upgrades are not that easy. Most of my spiritual upgrades cost me something. But I have to realize, am I here to play it small? Am I here to create this, like, perfect life so that everyone agrees and likes it and think, oh, Jay and Susie, they have such a lovely kids. Oh, look at their family. Oh, look, they even have a dog and their house. Like, they don't have a fence, but it's brick. And, like, it just looks glorious, you know? Like, is that what it's for? Or am I willing to say, Lord, I, I want your will in my life. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, when we look at the kingdom of God and we really begin to study scripture, it's going to mess up with you. It's going to mess you up because it's about mercy and things people don't deserve, including myself. And yet that's the gospel and the good news that we are to be seeking every day. That we remind ourselves, it's not just about the mercy for me, it's about the mercy being extended to you. And it's not just about the mercy being extended to you, it's so that you can go extend the mercy to someone else. Because we have a world of people who are looking for an upgrade and they're looking in the wrong spots and they're finding the upgrade they think that they need. The kingdom of God is not about us and our comfort. The kingdom of God is about others and being moved into action. And I don't want—I was talking to someone, and they were saying, we're having just a conversation about life and Christ and Jesus and church, and do people even know that they need to go to church? Like, Like, most people are just like, just like another thing to do because the church has become like everything else. Like, we can be real about this, right? Like, I, I don't mind talking about this. It's not fun. But I'm not coming. I, I don't want to just do this to do it. I don't want us, our, our building, I, I, I love that we're here together and gathered. in my heart and my hope is that you would leave here encouraged to walk out the next thing the Lord has asked you to do. That you could say, okay, Lord, this is going to cost me something. And I was encouraged by Susie who was saying this. So help me walk in obedience right now. That's the purpose of this. Is That we would be people who would be people of action because the kingdom of God is one of other people in action. I must be about my father's business. That's Jesus at 12. What is that? That's action. And we will not see The things we want to see, those deep desires, until we're moved to action. And I don't want to just wait it out. Like, I just don't want to wait out until Jesus comes. Man, he's given and gifted each one in this, like each one of you guys in this place and online. He he speaks to us. You are the unique perspective of the creation and image of God. You matter. Your voice matters. We have to learn how to steward our voice. We need to learn how to practice these things because the kingdom of God is about other people and action. It's not just so that our church can be big. It's not. It would be easier. I think that would be almost easier if it was about that. Let's just fill the pews. Let's just do this. No, 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 no. Jesus continually was where the people were. He was continually where people who needed him wa- were. Not to be like them. And when I think about the picture of the, of him in front of the woman who was caught in in an act of adultery, and I see him getting, like, just in my mind, whatever Jesus looks like to you, I see him just, like, kneeling down in this, like, toga-ish, you know, like, wrap and sandals of what, you know, I I see him there just getting dirty. That's what I see. I see him getting dirty with her because she wasn't standing up. She was probably laying on the floor in a fetus position. Like just, I just think about what, what have you ever felt exposed? And you just want to curl up and just hide. And, and here she was. And I just see her like in my mind, just there, broken, already broken. And he just gets down and covers her and just starts getting dirty away from her. He wasn't worried about, I hope she knows. No. He covers her first in mercy and then says, now go sin no more. So many people are like the woman and they don't even know it. And we have had the luxury, I call it a luxury. We are a wealthy people who have encountered the presence of God. I don't say this to toot my own horn. But I I say this that I just called us to a moment that we would say, hey, Jesus is speaking to you right now. What is he saying? That's a luxury. That's a luxury. And it's the practice of it is so that we could go and say, all right, the kingdom of God is about action. You know, John thought Jesus was going to be one thing, didn't he? When he proclaimed who Jesus was, he was going to fire and like, you know, and here comes Jesus. Gentle, like a lamb, being crucified. Jesus isn't this mean person, and this is where we need to begin to proclaim the kingdom of God. Because we have a lot of people who think that the kingdom of God, that our God is angry at them, shouting at them. You know, we went through a movement where you would see people, and and there 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 is, and it's I I don't like that's not how I evangelize, and it's not my time frame. But you know, we have people who have you know put signs, "You're going to hell," and then we have people who are like, "Grace, grace, 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 grace," like, "Oh no, it's fine," and 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 it's like, no, he's just calling us to get with people one by one. He goes after the one. He goes after the one. He goes after the one. We have people who think God is really mad at them. We have a lot of people who think that that our Heavenly Father speaks in condemnation and shame and guilt. We have a lot of people who hear God through their filters of their own experiences, of their own abuse, of their own uh, mishandling from places that they've been in church. We have a lot of people who that's the voice of God to them. And we are called to be a people who get to say, no, no, no. Let me tell you about my father. He's he's a merciful God. he rather have mercy over judgment. That's why he waits. So he doesn't have to have judgment on humanity. I know some of us are like, take me home, I'm ready. But he's saying, no, 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 There's a, there's some work to be done. There's some people who need to know about my mercy and my grace. There's some people who need to actually know who I am for them today. See, the kingdom of God is not about us. And in the process of it, we get to have beautiful moments where we get to encounter him, and we're reassured. And so I just want to tell you, if you think God is mad at you, or you think he's, like, angry, yes, our Father, it does say he corrects those. And, and there there is that. That's not—I'm not, like, saying any of those things. Here, what I—like, don't make me say—Jay and I had this conversation last night. He said, that's not what I said. Don't make me say that. <laughs> And I was like, well, I don't know, you know, we just, because sometimes we do that. We, like, make someone say something they're not saying by implying what they are saying. You know what I'm talking about? Did that make sense? I think so. But let's not, let's not be a people. Let's be a people who, who vocalize the kingdom of God being one of mercy. We don't need to be afraid of his mercy and grace. Because here's one thing I do know for absolute sure. Every person Who's hungry and has come into a relationship with the Lord. The Lord captures their heart. There's a, there's a lot and there is time and there's, and and all of that is intended to be within relationship. But the Lord, just like the woman who was caught in the act, He turned back and addressed to her. Don't go and sin anymore. He knows what to do with us. And all he's coming is saying, would you become and learn of my mercy? Would you allow my voice to be my voice and not the voice and echoes of other? Would you be a people who would extend my mercy and grace to people? And you don't need to worry about it. I love them more than you love them. He desires their freedom and our freedom more than we desire our own freedom and and other people's freedom. He can be trusted. He's a faithful God. He never changes. But he is calling us to be a people who would stop playing it small with the kingdom of God. Because in our smallness, we're minimizing who he is. And he's calling us to be a people who, who play it big, who are going to be extravagant and not be worried about, oh, well, I hope they don't think he loves them too much or whatever we're afraid of, whatever we're afraid of. You know, I so I rolled up in my Escalade, and I, like, even reverse parked just to be obnoxious. You know, like, I reverse parked everywhere I could. um, And mostly, too, because I, like, had a little bit of a hard time, like, not seeing sometimes, even though I had cameras everywhere. But I reverse parked, and then Jay told me I couldn't reverse park, so then I was, like, even more reverse parking everywhere. And then, yes, just tell me I can't do something, and I will figure out how to get it done. Anyway, so I, like, reverse parked And this person looked at me and she goes, really big car. And I was like, yeah, I know. And then I just kept going. Like she kept it kind of snooty because it was after I like reverse parked and like I was, you know, trying to fix it. But I'm just like, I'm done playing small for people. I'm done. Yeah, I'm driving a big car and it's cool. Yeah, I serve a big God who has mercy and goodness till no end. Let's be a people who play it big with our faith. Let's play it big. And if you have like, somehow like me shrunk God into our world where we need him to fit, he's saying it's no more Chapel Valley. It's time to begin to play big. Let's play big with, with believing and stepping out in faith. Let's play big and believe and like pray for that person. Let's play it big. Not so we can show off, but so that God can get the glory. So that people can come to know Him. Because it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And the kingdom of God is a good news. That's why it's called the good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news. He's partnering us and He's calling us. Would you just play it big with me? Don't worry about the other stuff. I was just listening to scripture and he, you know, where he talks about the wheat and the tare and he says, don't worry about the tare. Just let it be. Just let it be. I'll, I'll take care of it. That's what the parable ends up saying. Like the enemy comes and he plants seeds, seed, right? And then the tear begins to come up and he says, don't worry about the wheat and the, the tare. Just leave it be. I'll take care of it. And I'm here to say he's taking care of it. Let's be people who proclaim the good news and the kingdom of God wherever we go. All right, well, I'm going to pray for us. Would you guys all bow your heads? Mickey, you could actually, Micah, would you come up and lead us in a song? All right, well, Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. As we respond in through worship, God, I pray that um, we, as we clearly hear you speak, Lord, that we would be people of action of your kingdom. Lord, it it is an uncomfortable place to be. But, Lord, we thank you that you can be trusted, that you're faithful, and that you're good. And, Lord, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Can we just thank the Lord for the word this morning and thank Susie? We're going to close with a song here, but I was reminded, you know— Yesterday, So yesterday we had our church work day, and uh, we had a bunch of young men come who are boys that I've coached in baseball and football and all these things, and most of them don't go to church, but they showed up for a work day, which is interesting, right? And so we were working, and I will tell you this. There was some choice words that were being said at times, and and but it just reminded me that the job wasn't to address that because that's not God's starting point. But as we were just continuing to be safe, as we were continuing to love them, it was so funny because one of the young men said, you know, I could see myself being a preacher one day. And I was like, I believe that. I mean, just, just think about that. It wasn't about shutting down what was being said. They were here and then in that being with them getting a little bit dirty at times it wasn't that that place but it was i know i could see that and what what do we do i'm here i'm here to affirm what the lord is probably working in that young man do you see that and so so often the lord's starting point isn't what we see It's about meeting them where they're at, loving them, showing them that grace and that mercy. That's such a good word. So thank you again. Can we thank Pastor Susie again this morning? Thank you for bringing that. Hey, we're going to, let's just sing. Let's just give the glory to the Lord this morning. We're going to sing How Great Is Our God. Let's stand together. We're going to close with this song, and then um, we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. But let's just lift our voice. Let's just sing to the Lord and give thanks this
1: morning. splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. trembles at his voice i
0: Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good God who is full of grace and mercy. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the work that you've done in each one of us, Lord, is that work, the work of who you are, that we are becoming more and more like you. I pray that you would give us the strength, Lord, the wisdom, and Lord, that our eyes would continually be open to the goodness you've shown to us so that we can show that goodness and that grace towards others. We love you. We thank you for what you have done in us today. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. We all said amen. 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 Hey. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Chapel Valley Church. We want to hear from you. So please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at info at chapelvalley.org. We hope you stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching Chapel Valley Church. You can also stay updated by visiting our website,
1: chapelvalley.org.